Esther's here, um, who's been helping out during the summer as well. So today's her day. Would you pray with me while while, um, we ask God to bless her? Father, we just ask now that as we um, prepare our hearts to hear your word, that you would also just prepare your servant. Lydia, thank you so much for what she's already done to get to this point. And we ask that you would um, just give her a great sense of peace, that she is filling a gap. She's mediating your word to us. This is such a service. And I pray that you'd bless her for the time she's, she's put into this, that she's used to prepare. And then also on our side, Spirit, open our ears and our hearts to hear your word to your church through her. In Jesus' name, amen. I, it's uh, worked out really well today that Gordy and Kathleen were back to share because my sermon's really short. Um, I timed it last night, and it was, I think, 11 minutes. Um, yeah. I, I was thinking about clearing my throat for about 15 minutes, but it's worked out better to hear Gordy and Kathleen speak um, than phlegm. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, the parable I'm speaking on is uh, the one about the two sons from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm going low-tech today, no PowerPoint. Um, so here it is. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Now, when I first read this, I actually, I originally saw it as a pat on my back for being a really stubborn, difficult, negative Christian. Um, Because, I mean, I've said no to God um, so many times and then wound up doing the stuff anyway. I mean, for example, I said, no, God, I will never quit my job at Lush, no matter how many times you ask me. Obviously, I wound up quitting my job there. Um, And then uh, I said, God, there's no way I can ever become a paramedic. Absolutely not. Um, And then one of my signature lines, which is, that's what other people can do. I can't do that. That's not me. Other people can do things like that. And I've been with BC Ambulance for over four years now. Um... I said I am never going back to school. I I can't stand post-secondary education. I think it's a money grab and forcing people to take pointless courses that are good for nothing in real life. And I totally have a soapbox reserved for post-secondary education, which technically I'd have time to get into right now, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Don't worry, I won't. Um, The point is that with my negative opinion of post-secondary education, um, after this year, I will be six credits shy of my Bachelor of Science in kinesiology. (laughs) And I could go on with examples of my incredibly resilient stubbornness. Um, I mean, (laughs) that's my mother. Uh, You know, I, 
I said at one point to God, you know, I can't, I, I will never, I will not be single for my entire life. I can't do it. And then a year later, I wrote a book about how awesome it is to be single and remaining single. And after that, I said, I will never get married. And I'm getting married in May. Um, and I'm thrilled about it, just so you know, I'm not going into the marriage begrudgingly or anything like, oh, this is something that God asked me to do. No, I'm very happy about getting married. Um, now, the first point that I had to take into consideration with this parable um, and in this passage is that you hear God say, like you hear the term, like they answered and God said to them. And it was, who was he talking to? So was, he was talking to the Pharisees. He wasn't talking to non-believers or Gentiles that said no. Um, he was talking to those who claimed to believe in scripture and trust God. And, and they said that they talked to him on a regular basis. Um, so I kind of want to address what Jesus told them before he told them the parable. Uh, they were questioning by whose authority he was doing things. And I'm actually quoting from the Bible because they kept referring it to doing things. Um, and he answered them in classic Jesus fashion with another question. Um, so I'll just read you straight from it, Matthew 21. These are verses 24 to 27. Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people. For they all told John, for the, sorry, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. I think this is kind of, it's a little sneaky. It's a little snarky. Um, I mean, I think Jesus is, is making a pretty obvious point here that if the Pharisees couldn't discern where John's baptism came from or they weren't willing to, to discern where it came from, then why should he tell them by whose authority he's doing things in? So, I mean... The main point that I get from this portion of the chapter and the aspect of this parable that deals with the second son is don't be fake. I mean, can we really pretend to be shiny, happy followers of Jesus 24-7? Everything is awesome, and we are just so super tight with Jesus 100% of the time, and we do everything he always says all the time, and we never miss a beat. Um, Now, this might just be me being cynical, but... uh, If I ever meet somebody and every time I see them, everything is just so awesome and they are just so blessed and they are always happy and always full speed ahead and on fire for God, I don't trust them. And I know this sounds really bad, but I mean, a little example I guess I'll give is um, I met a long time ago, I I met this American missionary in Poland, but I actually met him in Prague. And he had this belief that if you ever show anger, if you ever show sadness or anything like that, it's a sin, and you shouldn't do that. You should, you should be full of joy and showing joy and showing that you're following God 100% of the time. And, uh, and he, uh, he also referred to himself, and I, I'm quoting, he referred to himself as the white knight. Um, anyways, that's, that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about with the, the shiny, happy Christian. The Well... <laughs> The Pharisees claimed to know the laws of God and that they carried the truth, and yet they didn't know the truth when it was literally, literally standing right in front of them. 
Um, and they wanted to claim that they were doing the will of God, just as the son said, yes, Father, I will go right away and serve in the vineyard. And then he never did. Um, I mean, this goes, almost, it goes beyond disobedience. It falls into being fake, being deceitful, actually, and flat-out lying. And it kind of falls into people-pleasing, which plays into being fake. So, I mean, I felt like Jesus was basically telling them, you can pretend all you want, but here are the tax collectors and the prostitutes who never lied. They never denied what they were, and yet in the end they heard what John spoke. They, they believed him. They believed me. They repented. They recognized their belief system or lifestyle was wrong or, or not quite on the up and up and are now fellowshipping with me. And that means a lot more than... Um, a bunch of guys coming up with more laws to follow laws that they believe are from the Lord without actually stopping to listen to them. So I guess the big question is, how does this relate to us today? Um, Because, you know, I mean, I don't really see a lot of Pharisees in the church here, which is good. Um, And I haven't met any here personally. And while most of us have probably said no to God, as I have in regards to certain requests, uh, we haven't actually rejected his teachings completely. We're not coming to church every Sunday, you know, yelling crucify him all over again. Um, We were all at some point, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes, figuratively speaking, I I think. I mean, I don't know everybody's history, so no judgment. And uh, we are technically now, hopefully, in the the kind of yes phase of our of our faith, as in yes, we believe that Jesus died for our sins, and yes, we want or do have a relationship with him, regardless if it has been vibrant or it's been stagnant as of late. Um, I kind of, I have a story of my own to sort of illustrate a bit of the point, and it's a true story. It's, it's not incredibly exciting, but here it is. Um, about five years ago, I was in the paramedic academy, and there was this woman in my class. Now, um, our whole class, which was getting smaller every week after every exam, we would sit together at lunch outside of the cafeteria, and uh, it was kind of a necessary fellowship that we had just to support each other and and, and let off steam. Um, And no one ever invited anyone else to, to come sit. We just, as a class, we just collectively wound up doing that every lunch hour. Um, well, this other woman came into our class about halfway through the course because she was already a paramedic with BC Ambulance, and uh, she was upgrading her training to the training that we were taking now. And um, she was in the course a year earlier and had failed out, and she was given an option. She could either go back and start at day one with the rest of the class, and then halfway, like, she wouldn't write exams until she got to the point that she failed out, or she could just skip the classes altogether, and then start on the day that she failed out. Well, she chose option B, and her previous academy experience was that all the students, you're all rivals, you're all against each other, you're competing, you you don't talk to each other at lunch hours, you all separate and get away from each other. So during lunch breaks, she would sit in the classroom on her own, being very bitter and jaded towards everyone else. And finally, one day... Another classmate and I asked her, we asked, why don't you ever come and sit with us? And her response was, well, no one ever invited me. So we kind of ignored the tone, and I said, well, no one was ever invited, but, you know, you're free to come and join us. Consider yourself invited now. And she just said, oh, okay, I will. And then she never 
came and joined us at all. She continued sitting by herself, being jaded, convinced that we are all out to get her. Um, so this is kind of how I see the Pharisees. It's a, a stuck in their ways and simply saying what they believe will appease the majority, hence their debate on how to answer Jesus in regards to John. Um, but they continue to do things the way they always have, despite a better way being presented to them. Now, I, I know the parable is really short. It doesn't really address what the second son was doing or that he chose to do something else instead, but that's sort of the way I see the Pharisees, that they were just sort of, yeah, 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 and then continued doing their, their old methods. Um, now, I, I think that a, a lot of us are... Um, myself, is, I'm definitely included in this. Um, we can probably think of something we have, like as in a pattern or a tick, that we, we don't want to change, or better yet, we believe is the right way, the right route or choice, whether it's how we deal with conflict or how we deal to, uh, with others in times of joy. I mean, it could be any one or, or a number of things. And despite having been told by others or loved ones or Jesus directly um, that perhaps we aren't handling that particular thing as well as we should be, we stick to our pattern, what we know, like the woman in my paramedic class. So it kind of comes down to how are we going to respond to direction, correction, or criticism? Do we later repent and realize we were wrong and break old habits? Do we huff it off and insist that everyone else is wrong and illogical and we are the sole bearers of the truth and wisdom in this matter, whatever it may be? Or do we say, yes, 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 of course, when shown a new pattern just to appease the presenter and give the appearance of being amiable, but stick to our own pattern just the same? Now, kind of already addressed the points of being fake and stuck stuck in our ways, and I won't revisit them as they are pretty obvious and self-explanatory. While I do believe that there are, like, there are a lot of points that can be made in this parable, um, the last one I, I really wanted to address because it, it wasn't apparent to me the first time I read it, uh, is humility. And I felt like Jesus is addressing humility, the ability to say you were wrong. And uh, when I was kind of doing research on this verse, and I I always like to look up different versions of the parable just to see how it's worded differently. And I found, uh, I use the NIV version, but um, I found in a lot of the versions, uh, they use the term for the first son that he repented and went and, and ahead and followed through with his father's orders, or he realized he was wrong and went and followed his father's orders. So that's kind of where I started realizing, like, this is, this is talking about humility. And I, I'm not saying, you know, don't say you're wrong if you actually are right, just to show humility. And it kind of goes the same the other way, where it's like, don't say no or choose the wrong route, just so that you can go through the redemption process and say you were humble. Um, it kind of makes me think of uh, the parable of the prodigal son that Dixie talked about, because... You know, it almost starts to look like a tempting route. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go squander my father's riches, and then I get to come back and get, like, a fatted calf and a party. Um, but obviously, that's, that involves a lot of breaking, but it's a bad route. Um, 
So the point is that we should live our lives open to God's word, maintain that relationship with him so that we can discern when, when he's actually speaking. And whether it is through him directly or through others. Um, and the other thing, interestingly enough, it was in the verse that we read together today was that we should never ever assume that we are so righteous or that we are so experienced or so much older or wiser that if someone does tell us something in love or as a gentle nudge in another direction, they must be wrong. Because um, the, the shiny, happy Christian I talked about earlier, they, they sort of fit into this category where it's like so tight with Jesus, they can't possibly be wrong about anything. Um, and that is really where the humility comes in. It seems to be our, our human nature to respond explosively or even hurtfully when someone criticizes us or, or rubs us the wrong way. And what's important is that, like the first son, we should really take the time to, to recognize whether or not we were wrong um, and then make the necessary adjustments. Um, this humility and discernment can... I think it can only really come from a relationship directly with Jesus, which was sort of where the problem was arising with the, the Pharisees. Was It was all about the law as opposed to the relationship. And, um, and as I said before, whether you're in an abundant phase with him or a stagnant phase, it doesn't matter. matter. Um, whether we didn't hear, heard wrong, or heard right and chose not to listen, we're never a lost cause. And there's no amount we can mess up that is unforgivable to Jesus. And, um, and we've never gone so far that we cannot pass through, you know, those pearly gates, enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, so, basically, I've, like, the humility to act as the first son did and repent and admit we were wrong, admit we didn't hear. Um, I don't believe that not hearing or hearing wrong is a sign of disobedience. It's, it's only disobedience when we choose not to change or admit we heard wrong or didn't hear um, when we can't humble ourselves. And it, it seems kind of strange that for a species like ourselves uh, who are wrong so often, um, we have such a hard time admitting it uh, and yet we can be so quick to see when others are wrong. Um, we can be so quick to recognize injustice to ourselves and yet not see when we ourselves are being unjust or unfair to others. Um, basically, I, I told you this was short. Uh, <laughs> on, on a closing note with this, it's just, I, I kind of realized through this is that one of the really wonderful just amazing, beautiful things about the Christian faith is that it wasn't designed for perfect people. It was basically, it was designed for us. And that's, that's it. It's really short. <laughs> Gordy, anyone? <laughs> Good job. Mm. That was nummy. Sorry, I've been with grandchildren for <laughs> for three weeks. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not just about being wrong too. I think you know if you think about being face to face with somebody, they're always going to see. You know, come up here, Luke. I want to show you something. Come on up. Come on. 
You can trust me, Luke. Um, when, when I look at Luke, and Luke looks at me, and we're face to face, I see things that he can't see, right? And when he looks at me, he sees things I can't see. None of us has 360-degree vision. So no matter how, even if we were pretty good people, even if we were pretty righteous, which is a really huge if, um, we still, don't, we still don't see it all. We still don't have, we are relational people. We need one another. We need perspectives. And, and we all have strengths and we have weaknesses. And the problem with our strengths is those strengths of shadow sides that we like to call sin. Or we like to call faults. Or we like to say, oh, this person is this or that or whatever. And, and the challenge is to see the, okay, Lord, I see the shadow side, and it speaks so loud and sometimes can be so overwhelming and daunting. But what's the strength behind that that I can call forth and affirm in them? Right, Veronica? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. You can sit down. I like your shirt. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just pause because I think that we've heard from God this morning in a very special way. And, and uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Father, we, we are indeed those ones who have so often said no and been dragged kicking and screaming into things and and we are those ones that the gospel was, was born for, was made for, was given for. Those ones that are sinners, those ones that are broken. We are those ones who often have missed the mark. Uh, but sadly, Lord, we've also been those ones who sometimes professed to things that that are fake, that are not true to who we are. And God, whatever category we find ourselves in today, would you come? Lord, for those of us who, who've been in rebellion to your will and pulled no punches about that and, and have just been defiant, where we've been challenged by your Holy Spirit and, and we've just been resisting your grace, we've been resisting humbling ourselves, Lord, would you, would you come and give us grace today to humble ourselves? To say if we need to, I was wrong. If we need to say that to a sister or to a brother, to a spouse, to a child, to a parent. Lord, to a roommate, a workmate. Father, whoever that may be, Lord, that you would give us the grace to humble ourselves. For you said you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. We ask for that grace, that grace of humility today. And Lord, I pray for those of us today who, who Lord, are, for whatever reason, feeling pressure to put on a front, to profess to something that, that is not true about us. Lord, to be that shiny, happy person, and yet we're weeping inside, we're broken inside. 
I pray, Lord, that, that who, one of the defining things of our church that I've heard people say through the years is it's okay not to be okay. And I pray, Lord, for that safety. Lord, not that we're going to leave people in their pits and say, that's great, that's cool, because you rose from the dead. You did rise. But, Lord, you come to us in our tombs. You come to us in our pits. And you suffer with us first. And you weep with us. And so you've called us to weep with those who weep. To suffer with those who suffer. To... um, to rejoice with those who rejoice. I, I have a quick grandparent story. Sorry. Um, boy, you sure get a lot of God with kids. I think Jesus, Jesus really, he said, you know, when he, they wanted to know about the kingdom of God, he'd put a child in their midst. And I, and I just feel so broken and overwhelmed and, and honored that God would entrust us as a community with so many beautiful children. Do do you know what kind of trust the per capita number of kids in our church is probably unequaled? Yeah, there's churches that have more kids, but they're way, the per capita amount. It's just unbelievable. And I feel so honored that God would entrust me with those, to be the pastor of this community and, and with those incredible three grandkids I have and the joy that I see in their eyes and the pain. You know, it used to be hard for me to leave them, but it's harder when you see the pain in their eyes about you leaving. And, Grandpa, can't you get a, you could pastor in Zurich, you know? And, uh, but, one thing I learned about God, and, and this comes out in the scripture that Alec read earlier and Lydia referred to it from Romans 12, where it talks about, you know, rejoice with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep. And there was a, you know, how many know with kids you have mishaps? And this one day we were at a swimming pool in Zurich. It was a very hot day. And I found this float, uh, like one of these uh, foam floats, you know. Quite big, and so Sam and Annalise were really enjoying coming down off this really fast slide and hitting this float. I'd, I'd hold it for them as they hit the water, and they'd hit the float, and so the, the, it would create the surfing effect when they hit the water, or they'd either skid off it and go uh, a lot farther off the board or on the board. Either way, it was magnified slide, okay? And so this one particular time... Sam came, just flying down the slide, hit the board, and he just went, I mean, he just took off, like, <clears throat> I mean, it was just sonic, you know, it was unbelievable, and, and, he, and he hit this, this uh, 12, 11 or 12-year-old girl, he, he went flying into her and smacked his little nose, and, and just wailing, and, uh, and uh, I, I, and this, this, these kind of painful things happen, and, and I made the mistake, and I, I knew better. I've been a pastor for 30 years, for crying out loud. I knew better. I said, Sammy, you got to wait till people clear the area before you come down. That was just the worst thing. Was I right? Absolutely, I was right. 
But I was wrong. Because the first thing he needed was for Grandpa to put his arms around him and just wail with him for a minute. Oh, my nose, your poor nose. Right? But how many know when somebody has entered your pain and felt your suffering, it's a lot easier to hear truth later, right? When you know they're, they're with you, they're walking with you. And so I learned my, the next time it happened, man, I tell you, I just, you know, oh, oh, I'm so, you know, you weep with those that weep. And boy, I tell you, the, the, the truth part just becomes a lot easier. So I pray that we be a compassionate uh, church, a church that, yeah, we know what's right. We know this person probably even dug their own hole that they're, they're in. They probably know that better than anybody. But even if they don't, it's just to, just to come alongside. And uh, Lord, would you uh, help us to remember that you said of, of the Exodus people, that in all of their suffering, you suffered with them. That the first thing you said to Moses was, I have seen your tears, I have felt your pain, and I've come down to help you. So I just release compassion. How many know when compassion came in the Bible, good things followed? Huh? He was moved with compassion, it says, and he healed their sick. How many of you, you are in pain right now, physically? I want you to stand to your feet. Right where you are. Just stand to your feet. If you're in pain, there's physical pain in your body. I want you to stand. If there is emotional pain right now in your heart, would you stand to your feet? Spiritual, just psychological pain. Because what I want to do right now is, first of all, release compassion. The Father loves you. You know, the problem with those Pharisees is they, they put themselves in a place where they couldn't receive God's compassion because they were so busy trying to put up a front. And you folks, I just want to say to you, the very fact that you're standing is, is you're opening yourself to God's compassion right now. And your father is so proud of you. Your father loves you. And if you have a problem with the father language, your mother <laughs> He's your father and your mother. He, he transcends gender, but, but he, he created us in his image, and, and both are there. Whatever you need, if you need the nurture of a mother, you need the, the compassion of a father, let it come to you right now. And I'm just going to ask our church, just for a couple of minutes, we have a few minutes here before we're going to dismiss. I want us to just be a healing community, and if you feel so led or inclined, and you don't know the person, you might want to get their permission just to gently touch their shoulder and and just or put your arm around them and just just release God's compassion. Would some of you do that right now? Just just I'm going to release some of our healing team, some of our elders as well, just to release the power of touch, the power of God's touch, the power of God's compassion. Lord, would you come right now? Would you heal? Lord, where there's pain, heart pain, would you heal? I think the greatest miracle I've ever experienced was the healing of a broken heart. Because when a heart is broken, you go, can I ever hope again? Can I ever dream again? Lord, would you come? Would you come with your compassion right now? Holy Spirit, we release you in this place right now. 
Holy Spirit, we say come in this place right now. There's a tenderness of God here tonight, today. Just open up to his tenderness. He loves you. I hear the Lord just saying that I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're feeling. And I haven't forgotten you. I haven't abandoned you. Can a mother forsake her nursing child? Says the Lord. Yea. I don't know. There's something about mother coming really strong right now. Something about mom. Lord, we release your mother's heart to those who feel abandoned. Who feel that you have forgotten. We release your comfort. The Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting mother's love. That's literally the, ge- the generic Hebrew in, in Jeremiah. I have loved you with an everlasting mother's love. Rose, that's for you. Mother's, God's mother's love. I have loved you and with loving kindness I have drawn you. With loving kindness, I have drawn you. Let it come, Lord. Your mother's heart. Your mother's embrace. Lord, bring hope. And I speak to pain. Pain in bodies right now. I speak to uh, sinus pain. I command it to go in the name of Jesus right now. Father, I speak to, I, I, I see um, uh, digestive uh, uh, troubles, Lord, stomach, stomach uh, upset, Lord, just pain in that area today. I command that to go in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. There's some people you just been waiting all summer for the sun and it's come and you're literally in physical pain and not able to enjoy it. And I just, I just release you to enjoy the creation today. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. Thank you, Lord. Father, there's someone here that's just suffering from a relational breach. There's just a broken relationship. And, 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 uh, and, and it's just the pain is almost beyond your enduring right now. Because that relationship is very important in your life. And I just release grace to you right now. It's not all going to be fixed today, but I release grace. So that in, in the peace of God, you can begin to overcome evil with good. You can begin to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Just let it come. Let it come, Lord. Man, I tell you, it's, it's just so struck me as I've entered my 50s. How, you know, I, I used to get an owie when I'd hit my, my, my nail with the hammer, you know. Or I'd get a sports injury. But the owies that you experience through relational breakdown and and emotional, you know, broken heart stuff, those things are way worse. 
way more real. Just let it come. Let it come, Lord. Your grace. God gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. Jesus. We love that name, Jesus. We love that name, Jesus. We love your name, Lord. In my name, you will cast out demons. In my name, you will heal the sick. Not a formula. Not a, oh, I said the right thing, so it has to happen. Uh Uh-uh. When we do something in his name, it means that we're his representatives. It means that If he was here, he'd be doing it. And he asks us to do it on his behalf. To be his body. To be his hands and feet. Thank you, Jesus. I just see a wave. Just a wave washing through this place right now. Just a wave of the Spirit. Lord, just come through right now. Just let it come. Wave of refreshing. Some of you have been so dry. Just he wants to refresh you right now. There's nothing wrong with just waiting. Just wait. Just wait. We're always just going from this thing to that thing to just just wait. Just wait together. Waiting together. It's good. It's the greatest thing according to the Bible we can do. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. He inclined his ear to me. He reached way down and lifted me out of the horrible pit. Thank you, Lord.
Yeah. Praise God.